Welcome to CII Podcasts. Welcome to today's uh, Global Unicorn Session with Upgrad. We have with us Arjun Mohan, who is the CEO at Upgrad. Arjun started his career with uh, Think and Learn Private Limited as a teacher and moved up the ranks into a leadership role. Prior to that, Arjun was responsible for sales and operations at Titan Industries, and he also did his stint with Tata Motors, Tata Reality. and infrastructure limited and also at the sir uh, dorabji tata and allied trust we also have with us falgun uh, kompali co-founder upgrad prior to upgrad falgun was uh, the uh, was a principal at the uh, fortnan uh, group uh, an educational strategy consulting firm where he was involved in advising large educational conglomerate and investment funds on their growth and investment strategy in education Uh, and finally we have uh, with us the one of the industries stalwart mr manoj kohli he is the chairman of ci's future business group and the country head for softbank india without taking uh, much time i would request mr kohli to take this session forward mr kohli over to you please thank you anpur and welcome arjun and falgun you know today's session we have done Many many sessions in the last two years, but today's session is very unique in a couple of ways. One that we have we are covering education, which in my view is most important for India, along with healthcare. Maybe sometimes I feel it's more important than even healthcare. Uh, so most important sector of the country. And secondly, we have a combo of a founder and a CEO, which we never had. so that's a very unique uh, uh, situation so i really am so happy to welcome both of you and uh, i will uh, try to make it as candid as possible and i i hope you will also make it candid because the objective is that uh, young entrepreneurs much younger than you who are some sometimes they may not be 20 or they may be 18 they may be 22 who have aspirations they should listen to you understand ups and downs understand how you beat the struggles understand how failure taught you understand how childhood dreams came true and i think it will be great if you can be as candid as possible uh let me let me start with falgun first uh falgun uh, tell us about your childhood uh that did you imagine at that what was your imagination what was your aspiration at that time which may have contributed to what you are today uh in terms of family background in terms of was there any successful entrepreneur in your family how was that situation now i am talking of childhood before uh, you went to university primarily in school great uh short sure. uh, first of all uh, thanks a lot mr kohli again nice to be on a discussion with you so uh, just going back i think my childhood uh, i was born and brought up in hyderabad so spent the first 18 years of my life there uh, i also lived on road number 3 <laughs> i lived just just outside usmania university in an area called dd colony spent bulk of my childhood there so i have great memories of playing cricket on the streets you know like going to these iit tuitions in when i was in like slightly when i was slightly older and in my high school but yeah family background wise i think uh, my dad was a chartered accountant is still a chartered accountant 
I mean, he was an entrepreneur in the sense that he set up his own practice. So he didn't work for the big four or any other form. Uh, so he was entrepreneurial that way. But that kind of entrepreneurship was very different from what we think and imagine entrepreneurship to be today. Uh, my mom was a teacher. Uh, I had one younger sister and we grew up together. Uh, and, and as a child, I think obviously you have multiple aspirations at various points of time as you grow up. I remember at one point I was obsessed about being a cricketer, like most children in this country, I guess. Uh, then eventually, I think, I don't know, either I got sensible or somebody knocked some sense into me. Then I said, I want to be an IS officer because I think that's the best way to create impact. Uh, so that was my dream for quite a bit. I remember why, because one of my uh, uncles was actually an IS officer and I went to his place and I was like, really inspired by the work he did and uh, the entire atmosphere so i was like this is very interesting i remember when just in high school when i started preparing for uh, engineering and even during engineering i would say one of my aspirations was always to be a scientist uh, i wanted to do my phd and i wanted to be a scientist because at that point i very strongly believed and i still do that i think one of the best things you can do with your time is to add knowledge to our existing stack of knowledge that we have right and that only comes through research only true researchers can add to the existing stack of knowledge everybody else is using the knowledge and technology we currently have to solve problems but i think the ultimate pursuit could be to create new knowledge which can be used so i was obsessed for a little bit with being a scientist and i did some work around that so in all of this i never imagined i would be an entrepreneur as you can see the track record is it is completely tangential so forget having any dreams of building a billion dollar company or a unicorn or anything i never had any uh, aspirations of becoming an entrepreneur uh, so that's my childhood background and i think it is totally accidental did you, think, did you, that means in school you had multiple aspirations which is normal again for any young man or young girl so how did the college then you went to school, university engineering university what was that influence on you what kind of student were you what was your strengths or aspirations at that time or what what were your passions at that so i went to i was very fortunate uh, to go to iit delhi uh, so i spent four years uh, on, on an amazing campus in terms of a student, I think I was a very average student like most other people there, you know, we didn't really take our subjects or classes or anything too seriously. We, we figured out how to pass our exams and do reasonably okay, uh, but we didn't take it super seriously. But I think a couple of things that it really helped me with, I was for the first 18 years of my life, as I said, in Hyderabad, uh, protected at home. I left that to not only leave home for a campus, but also to a boisterous campus like Delhi and to a boisterous city like Delhi where I made a very, very different group of friends. I was exposed to very different ways of uh, very different perspectives, very different aspirations. And that was a wonderful experience for me just in terms of how it broadened my uh, perspective in life. The second thing was, I think it also gave you the infrastructure and the peer group to explore and push and challenge yourself. Uh, both intellectually, uh, but also uh, just the infrastructure that we had in sports, we had in multiple other avenues, right? So a couple of things that I really enjoyed doing at IIT outside academics was debating. Uh, I was also the debating uh, secretary president uh, during my time there. So I really enjoyed doing that. Uh, some really uh, smart people with amazing ideas is debating it out day in and day out. So spent a lot of time doing that. 
and obviously the other thing was sports i've always been a huge sports fan i still continue to be so i spend as much time on the field as and i can do you win the debates do you win the debates with your wife oh uh, no those i lose uh, but <laughs> so so once you passed out i think you were a changed man from the day you joined iit delhi you were a different man much more evolved much more grown much more exposed to the world etc so what what happened immediately after university so immediately after university i would not say i was very mature or very grown to be honest i think i was still the same anosily uh, teenager uh, but i got my first job in opera solutions in delhi so i spent a couple of years there in delhi as a business analyst doing a lot of data analytics work one thing i always keep saying that while the job was good the thing it taught me is that i am better at basic data crunching storytelling and analysis and using excel as compared to 99.9% of the people and i think that's a life skill and that i am really thankful for that job for getting me there so that's the only one thing i think i took away from that job which was really powerful then coincidentally i moved to parthenon which was an education consulting firm uh in bombay i was excited about moving to bombay as a city you know i moved from hyderabad then spent 6 years was it bombay or was it consulting or was it education it was i was in consulting before so i would not say it was consulting so it was bombay at that point honestly i i have that was my first stint with education so i think i was very excited to move to bombay and explore a different city because as i said i spent 18 years in hyderabad but your mother was a teacher you said yes Uh, yeah so maybe maybe there is some linkage there yeah could be could be there is some uh, <laughs> subconscious thing that i'm carrying from there so bombay was really exciting at that point i came here i really enjoyed i i remember coming in and like being shocked at that point because i used to stay in noida uh, because my office was in noida in delhi and i was like the rent i pay for my noida house literally i got like 115 the size of the apartment in bombay for three times the rent and i was like this room that i have in bombay this whole house used to be the space i have in my kitchen in delhi right so while i loved bombay it had its initial struggles for the first one year i i had to get used to it but i keep saying i keep telling people that bombay is like an ar rahman song right it grows on you and then eventually you become addicted uh so i think it was a wonderful experience i've been here for 10 years so started with parthenon that was that was my first professional stint with education worked with some amazing people uh the big advantage with parthenon was also that it was an international consulting firm so i did literally in my four years i spent an year in india for the rest of the time i spent a year in africa i spent a year in brazil i spent a lot of time in middle east southeast asia and that was again very very exciting for a 22 23 year old uh, person uh traveling the world meeting different kinds of people understanding different cultures seeing how education has evolved uh, across all of these countries so i think that was a wonderful experience and there again coincidentally i also had the privilege of working a lot with my current co-founder mayank so both of us were working at parthenon uh and we did a lot of projects together and that's where the idea and spark for upgrade came from and then i think for the last 7 years we've been at it here so that's broadly i, I would say what my journey that is fantastic so when man can you decided to drop that job for an entrepreneurial venture what was your uppermost thought at that time in those discussions you had if you go back what did you feel like doing why did you feel like doing this entrepreneurial assignment uh, adventure uh, why education what was the root cause 
I think the root cause was, as I said, I, I spent four years at Parthenon, and as part of that, I remember visiting more than hundred universities and colleges. I did a lot of work in higher education, so I visited these colleges to understand what is happening, how they can be improved, identifying if there were a right asset and all of that, right? And eventually, as a consultant, you do all of that and put it in a slide, right? So we used to have this classic slide. I remember making that slide on my first project. Where we said that higher education is based on three pillars, right? Access, affordability, and quality. People need to have access to education. Second, they need to be able to afford that access, and if they're able to afford it, then they should get high quality outcomes, learning outcomes, and career outcomes. If any of these is broken, then the education system is broken. So that is the slide I created, right? The second slide I created was a little bit more analytical, where we were like. Every country has GDP goals, GDP per capita goals, and GDP growth goals, right? We did an analysis which clearly showed us that the GDP per capita of a country is very strongly correlated to the gross enrollment ratio of that country. It makes sense because the more skilled your people are, the more productive they can be, and the more stronger your economy is. So we said, if India has to reach its GDP goals, uh, what is the kind of GDR that we are looking at? And these same two slides I used for all four years at Parthenon. Every project, every client, uh, every meeting. And after a point, me and Mayan got bored and said that, look, if this is so obvious, why don't we do something about it in India? Because the same problem exists in India, right? Access is a problem. Affordability is a problem. Quality is a problem. Online can clearly solve for it. If we want to reach our GDP goals, our GER needs to go from 27, 28% to 50%, which is not happening with physical infrastructure because nobody is building physical infrastructure at that pace. And online again is going to be the only way. So it clearly looks like a massive opportunity uh, to create impact, both financial impact and also like the value impact that you can create. So I think that was the overall thought process when we said this is a very interesting space to be uh, doing something uh, exciting. So sure. that was great. So basically those two slides led to the thought that why don't we get this slide for India? Yeah, and do it ourselves instead of telling other people to do it. <laughs> yeah, do it ourselves and both of us are young, both of us are exposed to so many opportunities, let's do it. Okay, so what was behind the brand upgrade? upgrade? Behind the brand, I think when we started, we had very limited understanding of brand or anything we wanted to build for us we just said that to be able to create meaningful impact we will need strong curriculum great content strong user experience in terms of the learning platform in terms of support services we provide and eventually the proof of the pudding is in that they get strong career outcomes right so that's the only thing we were obsessed about for the first 12 to 24 months and that's how we built the company and then once we did it i think we saw that there is a reasonable amount of traction on those fronts where we built a strong learning experience. We got some good university partners and their faculty involved in the whole design development and delivery process. And all of those were falling into place. And then we thought of, okay, now how do we really scale this to a really large uh, population? And that's where Arjun and his expertise come in of being able to build a brand. So Arjun, I think is a better person to talk about how the brand has evolved since he has come in because for us, it's always been a very strong focus on product uh, and the learning experience and how you give outcomes to learners. And uh, I think there's a certain word of mouth that got built because of it. And we have used various ways uh, to amplify it uh, since then. But I think for us, if you were to ask me one thing that Upgrad stands for today as a brand and we would want Upgrad to stand for is 
lifelong learning partners for working professionals right we want to be the lifelong learning partner for anybody from 18 years of age to 80 years of age because we are absolutely convinced that people will have to continuously invest in learning it's not always doing a two year masters or three year degree or four year degree it can come in various forms and various configurations and we will also evolve with it but being the lifelong learning partner for somebody is what the brand of grad stands that is a fantastic mission for i'm going to have and uh, with this mission let me move to arjun welcome arjun once again so at what time did you join falcon and mac yeah first uh, first of all manoj thank you for this opportunity it's i think it's the first time that i'm uh, on a panel with uh, falgun <laughs> so it's definitely interesting to hear him uh, like this uh, yeah so my journey in education started in 2007 um, and i joined uh, upgrad uh, in 2020 uh, the first stint was in uh, byju so i was one of the early employees of the company uh, personally new byju ravindran so that's uh, so have been with him as a teacher ever since it was a coaching center fundamentally i came into education uh, because of my passion for education uh, i have always enjoyed teaching and i felt that okay this is something which i will excel at so i went into it then uh, somewhere uh, on in the lines i started ending up selling and marketing these educational products so i joined uh, mind and falgun <coughs> in 2020 Uh, so uh, after quite a long stint in Baidus, uh, where I was handling initially the domestic business and then the international business, so the idea was um, because I, because I was involved in online education for a really long time. One part I'm very clear is that any sustainable company or concept need to finally give outcomes to the student, or uh, you can keep selling to and acquiring newer customers with a promise. but if you don't show the outcome then it's a problem and in education we teachers have this way of saying that um, <clears throat> finally it is 50 50 and 50% teaching and 50% learning so the student needs to put in their 50% now in online learning it is 30% teaching and 70% learning because nobody to guide that uh, discipline you standing in the same room so you need to get i mean you need to be more involved and you need to have that self motivation what i observed in k12 especially the sector which i was um, um, i mean active in is that it is very hard for a student uh, to do that 70 percentage when they are doing it online the self motivated students anyway does well the others comes into it because of an infatuation for a set of videos or a tab and in, in no time they lose their interest so what i saw was in spite of creating a great product in spite of ensuring that every help is provided i was not really able to see an outcome driven there because of many other factors coming in so then i started thinking uh, which is the sector where i can really give an outcome and build a sustainable um, uh, a quality education or or an outcome driven company and that is where uh, uh, higher education came into my mind very simply put a student or a learner comes to us after they are screwed as simple as that <laughs> they, they know that they need it so the self motivation part is to a large extent taken care they know where they want to or they at least have some idea or at least they know that they are they don't want to do what they're doing now and hence they want us to provide them with a pathway hence to a large extent it works that if we work with them well and provide what we are good at the outcomes do come in 
So that's where I met uh, Mayank. Um, I thought that the vision was very clear and it was aligned with what I also want to do. Uh, it was, I mean, as uh, Falgun said, it was a brilliantly done product. Uh, already in uh, moving towards scale, so I thought that it's a fantastic time to join the company and be part of the, the second stage of their journey. So you had three challenges. One is the challenge of scale, domestic market, international market. Second is the challenge of quality, because you always always aspired, as Falgun said, high quality. Yeah. And third is the challenge of ensuring high impact or high outcome in an online situation where you you're right, supervision is low, discipline may be low, compared to a physical situation. So, how do you look at yourself or look at the business on these three aspects of scale? quality, impact. So, uh, the way you I see... You've been there for two years now? Two years, yes, absolutely. Yeah, so, so yeah. let's say in two years, uh, have you made good progress in these three areas? I think so, yes. Uh, you can, I mean, you know the growth <laughs> already, so I don't need to tell you that. But yeah, I think we are making good progress. And uh, I feel that these three are not three different challenges. Fundamentally, uh, the way Ronnie puts it, uh, it's all about delivering quality at scale. And if you do that consistently, the outcomes will automatically happen. Because finally, the metric is the same, right? Quality is measured based also on the outcomes which comes out of it. Now, delivering quality at scale is always a problem, right? Because uh, fundamentally, how education systems or education in India has evolved is it's always been one size fits all. I will have a course, I will make a video and then you all see that video. That's it. As simple as that. What we did is quite different. First of all, uh, we tried to create a product, an online product, which replicates a lot of uh, successful features of a, of a university. So in our online MBA program, which is done through our portal, uh, our system through our, by our partners. What we ensure is that there are multiple aspects which will make a student successful at the end of the MBA. It's just not about videos. It's about personalized way of doing it. What are you lacking? That is where we give it. There are quite a bit of live sessions. We created systems which will allow you to collaborate with your peers and do a project. We have mentors and, and coaches on our platform which will guide you to tell you which way you need to go. So everything we do has been aligned to it. And secondly, what we are also trying to do is, is that we have been observing very closely how our customer base have been evolving. So as we move through, through scale, we have seen that our customer base have also evolved. Two years ago, for our data science course, we used to only get techies. Today, we get a lot of people from financial industry, from FMCG, who has got no background in coding. So what we also do is, as in when we observe this change, we create changes in our course to ensure that these people are also successful. So for the finance students or finance learners with finance background, now we have a bootcamp, which is a two months extra uh, added course to ensure that they come to speed when they start their data science course. So this is how we have been doing. But only thing, I mean, we strongly believe that the only constant thing is change. So keep ensure ensure that you are listening to your customer and figure out what they want to make them successful and keep doing it yeah you're right so another aspect the fourth aspect in my mind from my own interactions with many people in education 
is relevant to the future, relevance to the current employability, relevance to all the advancements of technology, all the advancements of geopolitics, so many changes which are happening every day literally. So how do you ensure relevance constantly? I think that's another idea because uh, uh, the bad news about the education system is that the syllabus and the uh, syllabus doesn't get changed too often. The content doesn't get changed too often. Relevance actually maybe declines. So how do you how do you beat that risk? Yeah, I'll go first and maybe Falgun can also add to it. Uh, so, uh, when we started off, right, we spoke, told you about the obsession we have of delivering outcomes. Right now, if I tell you what is the outcome our learners are looking at, we have seen that we have seen that largely there are three outcomes these people look at. Number one, transition. That is, they are in a sector, they want to move into another sector, and then they want to impact, get the skills of that. Number two, professional confidence. They are working somewhere, they want to be uh, seen as someone who knows their stuff. And number three, acceleration. They are stuck in their, in their career in a particular place. They want to accelerate and move on. So this is typically the outcomes any student or any learner look from us, right? Now, if you look at it, there's, they are, these are all very closely connected to the corporate ecosystem or the, uh, I mean, uh, the ecosystem we all belong in. So one part we always do is we constantly are close to the industry who eventually hires the learners we train, right? These hiring managers, these techies who eventually become the managers of the people who train for, we train for, constantly give us feedback on which direction the industry is moving in. If I give you a classic example, in last two years, uh, the tech uh, what is hot in tech has moved from cloud to cyber security back to DevOps now. Okay, in between there was some 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 uh, uh, I mean uh, blockchain was also hot when uh, cyber I mean uh, cryptocurrency was going up. So we constantly keep getting this feedback and an understanding on which way the industry would go. And we try to implement, and because we, uh, I mean, because we are a platform and not a university yet, we have full control on syllabus. Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, for our PGP courses and MBA courses, the university decides the subject. But what we ensure is that we do much more over top of it, so that the student gets what they want, what they are looking from for from an industry perspective. So this allows us to create a curriculum which is up to date which is futuristic and which actually allow, makes the student what the industry is looking for. And we have seen that this outcome is, this is the outcome they are looking at. No, that is great because frankly, if you are able to sustain this edge, because this will be your really long-term edge in the market Absolutely. of being always relevant, of being always on the cutting edge of what the employer wants from an employee, especially senior employee. That's and right. I think your, your your mission about long-term partner, learning partner, is, is, is so important. And I think it's a, it's a mission which globally is so relevant. Uh, so coming back to Falgun now, if, Arjun, if you don't mind. <laughs> so Falgun, last two years of pandemic, uh, how do you describe it? How did you build the company, build the business? 
do you think i think growth was faster than you expected in these two years how did you face the constraints of pandemic how did you grow how did the uh, employee satisfaction consumer satisfaction improve during this period so this was a period of test or a challenge to many come yeah no absolutely uh, i think uh, it was a massive test for all of us uh, first from a business standpoint in the early days of the pandemic uh, the biggest challenge was we had two forces the first is that obviously people were uh, stuck at home uh, so they had much more work people were trying to balance personal life and professional life in the setting of their apartment and there was a lot of uncertainty around companies their jobs people getting laid off etc so a lot of people were not very confident and comfortable with investing money and time uh, beyond what they are already occupied with in online learning so i think that was the first big challenge that we faced but luckily that was there for about 3 to 6 months uh, and post that as the situation eased out a little bit uh, people started then in the long term seeing value for online learning and i think that is something that has changed significantly for us so i think the macro thing that has uh, that covid has really helped us with is that certain macro trends which we always believed in will happen over the next 5 10 years covid accelerated that and made those happen in 2 to 3 years for example acceptability of online learning with parents acceptability of online learning with society acceptability of online learning with universities it's like work from home right like Three years back, if somebody told you I'm working from home, you assume he is a chutti marra. Uh, but today you're like maybe he is working. You know, you'll give the benefit of doubt. So similarly with online learning, three four years back people were convinced that look this is not the same quality, this won't work. But now that people have been forced into it and they have seen the potential of it, now I think that trend has significantly accelerated and all universities are now planning to do something online and will eventually do it online over the next three to five year period. So I think that's a massive uh, advantage for us. From a business standpoint, I think uh, we have not seen any hockey stick growth or spike uh, because of COVID. Uh, we are not a free platform or a low price platform. So people still have to make a very serious conscious choice and investment. Uh, so the business is growing and I think it's strong. Uh, but we have not seen any sudden spikes because of COVID. But as I said, the long term acceleration of the trend of acceptance of online has definitely helped us. Second, from a, I think the equally big challenge was our employee engagement. Um, Pre-COVID, uh, two years back when Arjun joined us, I think our organi organizational size was about 1,200-1,300 folks, uh, and right now we have 4,000 people. Right. So during the pandemic, we have onboarded, and you include churn and all of these in this. We have onboarded about 3,500 new folks into Upgrad over the last two years. Right. And some of them have not come to office ever. We are onboarding them uh, virtually. And I think that's a big challenge to establish the same kind of connect and uh, motivation that comes in when you walk into the office, meet people, understand the culture and uh, live and breathe and feel that. So that was a big challenge. And again, massive coordination and massive effort from all the teams internally at Upgrad across our admin team, our IT teams. Simple stuff like getting a laptop to somebody who's somewhere else so that they can start working to our HR onboarding effort. I think there was a massive effort to make sure that that engagement uh, is in place. I still think there is a lot of gap 
between actually employee onboarding and engagement online versus what we do here. Uh, but I think that's something that we've done reasonably well to ensure that this kind of high growth over the last two years could be uh, sustained. What are the foundations, what are the building blocks you are working on at present? Uh, so that you can ensure a 10x or a 20x scale up, not only domestically, but also internationally. Sure, I will start with a couple of things and then maybe Arjun can add. Uh, the first foundational block, I think, is always going to be what I mentioned earlier, which is our uh, learning experience, right? How we think of creation of digital content and curriculum, how we think of delivery of that entire experience on our learning management system, and then what kind of support services we can provide students, academic, non-academic and career support services to ensure strong outcomes, learning outcomes and career outcomes, right? This is not something that is done and then you can use it for the next five years. This is something where we improvise every single day in terms of the new technology that is available, the new expectations of learners and tweak that to ensure that we maintain a cutting edge on that. So I think that is going to be our core differentiator always. And that's where a lot of our effort will go in to make sure that tomorrow, let's say five years down the line, Today it's tough, but five years down the line, it's possible that AR and VR have a very strong role to play in online education, right? So if that happens, is UpGuide prepared for that? So making sure that we do not miss any of these big macro trends to ensure uh, the best online learning experience, I think is going to be the first major fundamental building block, which we continue to improvise on. The second one is, I think uh, we have been now in existence for about seven years. And if I think of the next decade, I think we as Upgrad would like to stand for, uh, as Arjun mentioned earlier, a brand that delivers quality at scale, right? So when we started Upgrad, uh, one of the things was that, look in education, quality and scale are counter forces, right? If a university is taking more people, it generally means it's lower quality. If a university is taking only 1% of the people, it generally signifies quality, right? So that's something that we wanted, that narrative is something that we wanted to beat. Uh, because otherwise then you're always creating exclusive clubs and a bulk of the people are not getting quality education. So what can you do to create a brand that stands for high quality at massive scale? And for us, the examples and the aspirations of that are Nike, right? Everybody buys running shoes. It's a scale brand, but it's a high quality brand. Uh, Apple, again, I know the penetration in India is low, but it's again a large scale brand and again signifies very strong quality. So what can we do to establish the credibility of Upgrad as an educational brand that delivers high quality at massive scale, I think would be the aspiration and the fundamental building block. You would like to continue Arjun, please, on this? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, mean uh, I think uh, Falgun have made it clear on what we are doing. I just want to detail out what uh, Falgun mentioned. So the number one aspect which we always uh, which we invest in heavily uh, is how we do this learning experience, which is the tech platform. So, uh, I mean, Upgrad is uh, not just an education company. We are an edtech company because we do education through technology. Now, more than content, uh, what we have seen is that it is just not the updated content the learners of the day want. They want newer features. So there was a time when asynchronous content was in it was was what learners wanted because they only understood that. Over a period of time, it became live. Over a period of time, it became bootcamp. More and more working professionals want to learn while doing. 
So keeping in pace with this changing expectation of the customer is only possible if we upgrade our tech stack. So that's one investment we continuously make. We have a very large tech team, updated technology. We try to do it as much as possible. Um, but yes, I think it's a lot of scope there. Second, of course, is the learning experience ecosystem which we have built. It is just not about uh, updating content. It is about understanding where uh, what is most relevant to create that courses, create that partnerships, create that uh, content finally, which will keep us very, very relevant. And finally, uh, to tell the story and to ensure that uh, we just not do it, but also create a brand like Apple so that people do understand from the name of Grad itself that what we stand for. Now that's great, Arjun. So tell me about the brand. How do you think, uh, I'm sure you do brand, brand salience research. Uh, how do you think your brand is shaping up in the last few years and what do you think will be brand standing for by 2025? Yeah, so we always want to stand for those three things which Falgun mentioned, the slide which he did, and that's what the company stands for. Access, affordability and quality at scale. This is what we want to do. We should we want us to be seen as an education company which is making that difference. Now, how we have been telling that story has evolved with our learners. So uh, there was a time when, because of the way, because of the, the fact that we collaborated with universities or partnered with university, we looked like a university brand. Okay, we, uh, uh, the geeks always liked us, but finally we were, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't use the word boring, but that is what it was, a boring, old dated uh, university brand. What we realized is that uh, working professional as a segment and learners um, as, as in general has evolved with time. Today, an upgrade, a course which you do while you are working is not something which only uh, an academically inclined person do. It has become more of a norm. Everyone understands that I need to keep myself upgraded. So uh, a data scientist today could be, uh, a, could, I mean, could be the day job of day, he, he may be doing a day job of data scientist, but he may be a stand-up comedian in the, in the evenings. So we have seen that our customers have also evolved. Our customers have also started liking brands which has a softer touch to it. And that is how our messaging has also moved. We have tried to bring in elements which will excite this customer so that they will listen to us. And then at the end of it, come to know that, hey, this is one place where I can go to upgrade, upgrade my skills. So that's how we have evolved over a period of time. I think um, in India, at least uh, we have made progress, but still a long, long, long way to go. Uh, I would say that quarter after quarter, we have been improving our, uh, I mean, top of mind recall, awareness levels, consideration levels. And as you rightly said, there is research which we do literally every quarter to understand where it is going. Um, largely, we have been able to establish ourselves as a brand which people think about when they are thinking about upskilling in a working professional level. But I think a um, lot more can be done. What we would love to see ourselves is uh, when people will start considering upgrad as a place they will go and study, moment they start thinking about higher education. Alongside the IITs, alongside the IIMs, they say that, okay, why do I need to take a break? I'll probably go and see the courses in upgrad which I can do along with my job. So tell me, uh, as you scale up in the country, how many markets do you 
serve outside India now. So we have fairly large businesses uh, in three key markets outside India. In the US, we have a team and uh, we do good num uh, good amount of uh, revenue there. We also has a have a team in EMEA and APAC. APAC is mostly concentrated in three countries, while EMEA is more of English speaking countries and Middle East. So these are the markets we are focused on. So as you as you execute scale, big scale each of these new markets in the next five years, how will your business model change? Because the business model started, let's say, five years back in a certain model so that the model is profitable. How do you think you're tweaking the model in, for the coming five years based on your experience? Sure. So, so um, uh, I mean, very relevant question, and this is something which we debated. So when we started our international business, one part was very clear to us. Uh, the problem upgrade started off to solve in India is very true and relevant and existing in most of these markets which I spoke about. Even in a place like US, uh, nobody can take for granted that they get a job at the end of it now. Uh, I mean, upskilling is very much a requirement today. So we were convinced that there is a market for this. Now, as you rightly said, right, when you go into this market, there are uh, there are cultural nuances, there are local truths which you need to understand and plan for. Otherwise, you will just uh, end up failing. So what we did was each of these businesses are incorporated as separate business unit with a leader, local employees who is trying to tweak our model to make it as close and successful with respect to that market. That's how we approached it. It's been an ongoing process. I think we have started seeing good returns on that decision. And uh, probably in another six months time, we should be able to be in a good position to have got a very localized business model for these markets. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that is absolutely right. You need to customize and still keep viability and profitability extreme because it is the opportunity and that is where many startups are not get, passing the test so uh, being, being, having a uh, profitable business model at all times changing the business model from market to market according to the local requirements of the consumer very very critical for uh, for sustainable business Absolutely. okay the, the other thing i want to check with you is about corporate governance because again I, we are hearing a lot of news on corporate governance issues in 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 uh, some startups and i'm sure there are very very few startups like that but how do you and the founders jointly maintain the highest standard of corporate governance so that you know, the company has a long-term success rather than a short-term success yeah, so Manoj, a very relevant question in the current, uh, <laughs> as you rightly said, the startup ecosystem we exist in. Uh, so first of all, uh, I, I would say the founders of this organization, Ronnie, Mayank, Falgun, these are all people, and, and of course me, uh, we are all people who have seen, worked in multiple businesses outside, uh, which has been around for probably uh, decades and hence have exposure on what is right and what is wrong in terms of corporate governance. So what we have tried to do from the beginning, the structures are very clear, the controls are very clear, and we have always tried to govern this company or try to uh, run this company with a mindset that soon or 
maybe couple of years down the line this company is going to list in new york stock exchange or a nasdaq stock exchange when you have that right then you will be forced to put the right controls and work things around it that's how we have been doing it and i yeah palgun you can add to that no i think arjun uh, put it very uh, succinctly right i think for us the benchmark has always been this for the last few years that if we were a public company today would we stand the scrutiny uh, and if we can if we can't stand that scrutiny then something has to be fixed immediately so although we are private and we want to be a public company uh, over the next 2 to 3 years but i think over the last 2 to 3 years itself we have prepared ourselves internally from a corporate governance uh, standpoint to ensure that we will hold the scrutiny of a public company to ensure everything is uh, as per process and everything is defined pretty clearly excellent i i can tell you from my experience that companies who maintain highest level of corporate governance and they always succeed in the long run and they pass the tests of ups and downs because ups and downs will come in life of every company they pass the test easily because they they have taken into account many many aspects proactively rather than reactively uh so far I'm coming back um, about the quality of the team and the quality of the culture you are building can you just tell tell me what kind of quality of team you are building uh, i call it ltc leadership talent and culture because companies who can do a high quality ltc the leadership is high quality the new talent young talent is good and of course the culture is open and flexible how are you doing it in upgrade sure uh, so i think uh, i keep saying somebody yesterday asked me i think as an early stage founder in the first one year what is the most important thing and according to me the most important thing at that stage is the first five employees you hire uh in terms of ambition in terms of direction in terms of the culture you said everything gets defined by that so i think we have kind of lived by that uh where we have for almost all our positions we have a fairly strong and uh painful recruiting process uh where we make sure that we are attracting the right kind of talent but more than that i think all of us as founders in the company and arjun we have different roles on an executional uh, basis but i think one of the things that's very important for us as a leadership team to do is one set the vision for the company and i think that's where a lot of the culture gets driven from one is what do we want to achieve and how fast do we want to achieve that and i think as a leadership team for me those are the two key things is one setting the vision and setting the pace and then obviously being able to communicate and articulate that to the rest of the team to motivate them and create an atmosphere where they're able to deliver their best so from a leadership team standpoint we constantly try to have a clear vision have a clear expectation of the pace and then communicate that effectively and i think once that goes down uh one of the things that we've always tried to do is maintain as non bureaucratic and apolitical an organization as possible and hand to heart i can say that uh, at upgrade we managed to do that fairly fairly well as compared to some of the other startups where anybody can speak to anybody can speak their mind uh, nobody has a cabin anybody can walk into anybody's room uh, or anybody's desk and express their opinion uh, and be constructive uh, in that thought process so i think we have always tried to keep that to ensure that the pace of the organization uh, and the culture of communication is extremely uh, transparent and vibrant and that's the only way to keep culture professional open flexible especially because the millennial generation 
which is young people who are 27 28 they only want to work in such such a culture yeah arjun you said something no i'm i i totally concur with you and uh, that's what we try to do uh, the aspect is that in today's world right you really don't know from which part of the organization will that brilliant idea come from if you have hierarchy if you have these uh, structures in there you just stifling innovation so we have always stood for it and that's what we have been trying to build yeah i i fully agree i fully agree and that's why somebody said one of my a very good friend he said salary is a bribe to keep you down from creative <laughs> so so people who work for salary that means they are they're really not showing their full creativity as they have in their intellect so anyway uh move to moving ahead falgon uh what how do you maintain your personal fitness personal balance personal health and fitness how, how do you maintain it and i want to ask both of you uh, i mean couple of things i think uh, as i said i'm a big sports fan so i end up playing either squash or tennis three to four times a week uh so one it not only helps me from a physical fitness standpoint uh but also from just like a mental unwinding standpoint i think that's that's probably one of the few hours of the week where i am totally switched off because i'm so passionate and focused on the game uh i try and run a little bit but not that much these days so i think those are the two things that really uh, help me uh one with my uh physical fitness and also just to unwind the last thing is obviously uh as i said i am a huge i keep telling this to people but i am a huge seinfeld fan uh so on my worst days the only thing i want to do is i want to go home and watch seinfeld for a few hours and that really like i don't know what it does but it resets my mood and i generally become positive after that very good excellent arjun yeah so i don't do much of sports these days but yeah i go for run i try to do it uh, every day in the morning that's how i generally start my day wherever i am wherever i'm traveling i try to do it as much as possible on a treadmill or uh, if there is a place to run outside i i prefer that so this is how i uh, try to maintain it um so i i i like to read so uh, one way i try to keep my mental sanity is by reading uh, typically typically it is um, i mean long flights uh, I am only able to tolerate the long flights because I read in the flights. So yeah, so whatever happens in a day, find a few hours to do these kind of things, and that's how you maintain your sanity. Excellent, excellent. Because you know, for people like you and Mayank, all three, four of you together to maintain balance, because the best decisions, best business decisions, people decisions, strategy decisions are taken. when your mind is relaxed absolutely if yeah. your mind is stressed and i've seen that in my own life if your mind is not relaxed you take wrong decisions so it is better that keep it calm keep it balanced so that you take right decisions once you take right decision business has to be successful there's no choice yeah. <laughs> you know because you have decisions right and uh, personally also uh, from a family point of view keeping a balance keeping fitness and good health you owe it to your family and especially i am seeing some uh, startups burning out people etc which is not a good news 
I think yes, for a short period, people can work uh, a lot, but but not for over a long, long time because because they burn out and their families suffer. So, yeah, I hope you are sensitive to all this in upgrade. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, obviously we are very ambitious as a team, and we want to achieve a lot and want to do that very fast. But I think all of us, as leadership, are very cognizant of the amount of effort people are putting in, and they need to switch off, take a break, and spend it with themselves, with their families and loved ones, to make sure that uh, they get that little bit of opportunity to unwind. And as you said, it's very important to ensure not just their own wellness, but also for us overall productivity and outcome as individuals and as an organization. And and uh, Falgun well said, and especially I can tell you because from my time in Hyderabad, that people in Hyderabad know how to balance very well. <laughs> Arjun would agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Hyderabad is a very balanced kind of a place. People work hard, they enjoy, they eat well, they are smiling. So I think that's the right kind of balance they try to keep. Which that's why I love that city. Uh, so Falgun, last question. Uh, what message do you want to leave for young entrepreneurs who have aspirations to build a very large-scale global business like you? Yeah, I think a couple of things. The first one would be that uh, stay in it for the long term and stay the course because I think that's the biggest variable in terms of people succeeding or failing in their entrepreneurial journey. Uh, I have seen a lot of my friends, extremely talented, uh, great folks. Uh, who came in with this concept of I will do this for two to three years if it works great if not then I'll go back to a job I have nothing to lose which is okay and I think that's a good way to take a plunge but I think the other perspective that I have is that if you can commit yourself to 30 years of being an entrepreneur and building something on your own you might fail you might struggle you might see your lows but in that 30 year horizon there is no way that you will not end up creating significant value uh, for yourself and for everybody else so I think staying the course Persisting and going the distance, I think, is one of the most underestimated things when it comes to uh, successful entrepreneurs and building great scale businesses. Because whatever you do, any scale of business, it's always there are always going to be struggles. There are always going to be existential moments. Uh, you just need to persist and, as I said, stay the course. That would be the first one. Uh, the second thing, sorry, I, I thought you were going to say something, but the second thing uh, for me would be that look, it's a wonderful time. And uh, I think entrepreneurship is only going to become uh, more important, is only going to become uh, more celebrated in the country and globally. And it's a great opportunity for a young entrepreneur to take the plunge again and uh, use the infrastructure, the resources, the overall uh, tailwinds that we've been able to create as an ecosystem uh, to build something meaningful over the next couple of decades. So. Fantastic, fantastic. Both, both uh, sets of advice are very good. Uh, Arjun, you like to add something to what Palgun concluded? Uh, to the entrepreneurs, uh, all I want to say is, uh, I think this is the golden era for Indian entrepreneurs. This is, I mean, there have been no better time to start uh, an organization to try out your idea. Uh, largely, it is, I mean, uh, First of all, it's not just about the resources. You all will get the resources in today's world. But it's also the culture of this nation has changed. It is okay now to fail. So a few years you put in it, even if it doesn't work, I would say no problems. But you learn a lot, much faster than what you will if you don't 
uh, experimenting. So that will be my two cents for the entrepreneurs. Okay, great. No, I think uh, very good uh, advice. And I can say that uh, life, whether it's a leadership, professional leadership or an entrepreneur is a marathon. And that's what, uh, <clears throat> that's what Falgun, you said, it's not a sprint. So if you want to sprint for six months, one year, maybe two or three years, you will not succeed because you need to have a marathon attitude, attitude which will take you to scaling up the business in a big way across the markets you want to serve. So that's fantastic. Uh, I would like to thank uh, Falgun, Arjun, both of you. I really want to wish you good luck and please wish good luck to Mang too. This has been a fantastic session. A lot of learning, a lot of ideas, a lot of good things you're doing, a lot of balance you're bringing to the future. And I'll be very happy as a, as a friend uh, to support you, help you to grow bigger. And I wish to see uh, you in the next five, 10 years growing to global scale and being a global brand. All the best. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks a lot, Manoj. Uh, Thanks, Thank CIA, for having us. Uh, for this session and for in general building the entrepreneurial ecosystem thanks everybody once again thank you thank, thank you. you thank you for listening to cii podcasts